Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Today, we have Lindsay Theory breaking down the chaos before Rams Cardinals, and Mike Reese giving a post-mortem for the 2020 New England Patriots. But before we get into today's episode, I wanted to quickly tell you about another special ESPN podcast. It's 30 for 30 podcast presenting March 11th, 2020, a standalone audio documentary that tells the story of the day the NBA shut down and the pandemic became real for many Americans, as told by those who lived the events of the day and built entirely with archival and exclusive interviews, including Rudy Gobert and Dr. Anthony Fauci, March 11th, 2020, will tell the story of a day that started in one reality and ended in a new one. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11th, 2020. Subscribe and listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Lindsay Theory. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be all right joining me now as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, a frequent guest whenever we have to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. And to me, heading into Week 17, this is the most interesting matchup on the slate. Rams-Cardinals, a playoff spot, maybe two playoff spots, but at least one playoff spot is on the line. And joining us to talk about a Rams team that is in a sticky situation right now is our friend, Lindsay Theory. Lindsay, how are you? Bill, doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure as always. I'm great. Thank you. I am excited to talk about this Rams Cardinals game. A lot of different angles to get to, but let's start with the first sort of most significant storyline coming out of Sunday's loss to the Seahawks. That is Jared Goff's thumb injury. We saw him reset his thumb on the field. Pretty gruesome. <laughs> I don't know about you. Not something I would be comfortable doing, but Jared Goff's much tougher than I am, but had surgery on the thumb after the game. So Lindsay, in terms of Jared Goff's timeline, having had this surgery, I believe on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. when can the, when are the Rams sort of hoping to get Jared Goff back? Yeah, so Jared did have the surgery on Monday, and it was really interesting the wording that Sean McVay chose to use. He, he said that it was to stabilize that thumb. Mm. Um, so that thumb stabilized, and because of that, the Rams are really hopeful that he's going to return really for the first round of the playoffs. Of course, they still have to clinch that playoff spot. Uh, but there is a lot of hope with Sean McVay that, that Jared will be available soon. So that kind of means that uh, in the meantime, that John Wolford just going to be kind of a stopgap. Um, you know, the Rams need to either uh, beat the Cardinals or they're depending on uh, Chicago to lose to the Packers. So, um, if you kind of look at it from that angle, you know, the Rams don't necessarily have to win this game, but they just need to uh, hope that the Packers also take care of business. So that if that all happens, they are hopeful that Jared Goff will be able to return for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they have to win or, or at least have to. It would help them significantly to win in week 17 against the Cardinals. You mentioned John Wolford. 
He, of course, is going to be this team's new starting quarterback, you would figure, for Week 17. How obscure is John Wolford? Well, I just had to write an article where the headline is literally, who is John Wolford? Because <laughs> nobody knows. Who, who, who is this guy? He has never appeared in an NFL game. Now, he has played the preseason. That doesn't count. He has never appeared in a regular season NFL game. He hasn't even been on the field for, for one play, let alone mm-hmm. actually touched a football on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pretty obscure guy. Now, he was a four-year starter at Wake Forest. Uh, he did get some time as a non-roster member at the New York Jets after he went undrafted in 2018. And mm-hmm. it was actually the Jets who called him. He was eating sushi in North Carolina, and he received a phone call from the Jets in 2018. They said, hey, we need, a, we need another quarterback for our preseason finale. Can you come play? And, and so he spent 10 days with the team before mm-hmm. they cut him loose. So uh, he's a guy who spent last season on the Rams practice squad. And kind of shockingly, the Rams, not kind of shockingly, actually very shockingly, the Rams went into this season and kind of doubled down that he was going to be their backup quarterback mm-hmm. um, in lieu of maybe re-signing Blake Bortles or, or going to find another veteran because they felt that confident in what he was able to bring to this offense and his knowledge of the playbook. How confident do you really think, though, that Sean McVay is and John Wilford, I know that he was going to be the backup, but Jared Goff hadn't missed time. I mean, do you feel like this is a guy Sean McVay really thinks he can build something around in a meaningful game? I, I, I do, and that probably seems wild. I mean, when you look at John Wilford, he's listed at six foot one. I think he's probably mm-hmm. lucky to scratch six feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, Sean McVay kind of seems to get excited about players that remind him of himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, that's exactly who John Wolford is. He's, he's mobile. Um, you'll probably watch him on a lot of bootlegs, but you'll see maybe McVay play to his strengths. He's, he's different from Jared in that he's, he can run. He's quick. Um, so, so we'll see. And, you know, it, it's really interesting timing for Sean McVay to need to be creative and put John Wolford in a spot to be successful because it's no secret going into this game that this Rams offense has struggled mightily from, from the play calling to Jared Goff. Um, turnovers and, and inconsistencies. So it's kind of an interesting time for this to, to need to happen. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about that as well, because even if the Rams had Jared Goff in this game, I think we would have valid questions to ask about this offense. Over the last five games with Jared Goff under center, he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns, five picks, four touchdowns, mm-hmm. a passer rating of 78.7 over the last five weeks. And you know, I, I I certainly feel like we saw in that Seahawks game, even before the injury, Jared Goff was struggling. He threw an ugly interception, mm-hmm. got away with another pick on a pass uh, to Tyler Higby that should have been a touchdown, um, missed some throws, was really struggling, and then, of course, got hurt, and that made things worse. But over the course of the last four or five weeks, Lindsay, is there any one thing you can point to that's been the biggest problem with this Rams offense? And if you think there's any way for Sean Fay to fix it in this must-win game? Uh, the biggest problem has been Jared Goff. I, mm. I, you know, that's very kind of a blunt way to put it, but uh, he has just been careless with the football. I mean, this the, the interception he threw on Sunday against the Seahawks at Quandre Diggs was just so inexplicable to the mm-hmm. point where even after the game, he said, that's probably the worst play I've ever made. And it absolutely is right up there with them. 
you know, he he hasn't been a game manager. He has they have won games in spite of Jared and his turnovers as well. I mean, this defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense. So really going into this game, what they need John Wolford to do is just hang on to the football. Do not turn it over. This defense is so good. They will shut down an opponent. They just need this offense to to not even play at a high level, just play to almost not make mistakes, which is kind of the mm-hmm. cardinal sin in sports. You want to play to win. Uh, but they just need this offense to be somewhat efficient. And and with Jared Goff recently, they, they haven't been. Um, so, so you never know kind of going into this game. I mean, Goff has been performing um, well below standard. And, and the most frustrating part about that is he is a very capable quarterback. Of course. Uh, we saw it in 2017. We saw it in 2018. But really since that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, it has just been an up and down roller coaster where you see glimpses of great Jared Goff, but you also have seen a lot of really bad football. So going to this game, I don't know that there was a ton of confidence that Jared Goff was going to even be able to kind of turn around his slump. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, it might be kind of a, a I don't, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise, but maybe just a little uh, shot into the arm to have to put John Wolford in and have to come up with a, a new plan. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I mean, in terms of, what this offense might look like come Sunday. I mean, you would figure this Rams team would want to try to avoid mistakes. It seemed like they were being pretty conservative uh, against the Seahawks, wanting to avoid the turnovers, of course, that eventually come with the interception. But in, in terms of what this offense is going to look like on Sunday with John Wolford, or I guess, or John Wolford, or, or maybe if Blake Bortles does come in uh, as a possible replacement, if, if Wolford does struggle, or if Wolford does struggle, I should say, excuse me. Um, do you think there is going to be more of a run heavy approach? And if that happens, who's going to be running the football for the Rams? <laughs> well, that's, that's a great question because Daryl Henderson is their leading rusher. He is going to injured reserve high ankle sprain against the Seahawks. Cam Akers, who'd really been their breakout back uh, week 13, 14, 15, week 15 against the Jets, mm-hmm. high ankle sprain. So he was inactive last Sunday. Sean McVay said he's making good progress. And I know Sean McVay, after covering him for four seasons, is an eternal optimist when it comes Mm -hmm. to getting players back. Everybody's day to day until you realize, well, that's actually three or four weeks. Uh, He sounded confident that there's a chance Cam Akers will play Sunday. I have my doubts just because of the nature of of high ankle sprains, Mm -hmm. Um, which means that their run game is going to really depend on Malcolm Brown. He's been solid between the tackles. He's great in pass protection, but he's not, not going to go in there and light the run game on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple of rookies who've never played on offense who are going to be behind him. So it's not like the Rams are going into a situation where they can just hand the ball off and expect them to, to run it. Like we saw maybe last year against the bears. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they're going to have to depend on John Wolford to do a few things. Now, the good news for that is, is that he's really quite a dynamic quarterback. Uh, going back to preseason, a couple intra-squad scrimmages that the Rams had. I mean, it, there was one in particular where where John was really I mean, rolling to his left, rolling to his right, bootleg, and he was able to kind of keep some plays alive, extend some plays with his legs. So I wouldn't be surprised on Sunday to see them you know, I, I don't think they're going to ask him to throw the ball deep downfield. They haven't asked Jared Goff to do that all season. Um, so maybe intermediate, short throws, uh, maybe some designed runs. And I, I think we'll see plenty of times when John Wolford doesn't see an open man and he'll take off running himself. So I think it'll be a little bit of a, a more dynamic look for the offense. Uh, but I, I wouldn't expect uh, any 
anything to really call upon John to have to pass far downfield. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And something that would help both the running game and the passing game would be Andrew Whitworth, who's been missing um, with an injury. Is there any chance the Rams get Andrew Whitworth back for Sunday? Not for this Sunday. Uh, the, the goal all along has been for him to return for the playoffs. Sean McVay mm-hmm. said yesterday that, uh, or Monday, I should say, that there is a good chance that that will happen, um, that Whitworth will be available come the playoffs. He's been making good progress. He's uh, had the progress report videos up on, on his social media feed, which have been pretty pretty wild to watch. A 39-year-old guy who t- tours MCL and uh, – PCL, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that one. Uh, make make the kind of quick progress that he has with a brace on his leg to get back out on the field. Yeah, I mean, just a absolute freak of a player. And you were correct. You you nailed it. Torn MCL and I think a damaged PCL. So um, PCL, I'm yeah, yeah. It was it was the PCL. So you get to this point in the season and and you have sprains, PCLs, MCLs, mm-hmm. ACLs, and it gets a little jumbled. <laughs> I'm giving you credit for that one. I think I think you nailed that. I'm not not going to fault you for that one in the slightest. Um, now, we've talked about the Rams' offense. On the other side of the field, the, the other team, the Arizona Cardinals, might have a backup quarterback in their own right. Kyler Murray uh, has quote unquote a lower leg injury, according to Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, not many details there. We saw him get hurt right at the end of the Cardinals' loss last weekend. So, Lindsay, who might be starting? against John Wolford for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, so it was looking like, uh, according to Cliff Kingsbury, that it was to meet Chris Struggler. But then maybe there was some walk back later on a radio station, and maybe it's Brett Hundley. Uh, I, I think it would be a real head-scratcher why it might not be Brett Hundley, but Chris Struggler looks like, sounds like he might be the guy. Uh, he's uh, really, <laughs> you want to talk about the bowl of quarterbacks where nobody knows who they are and says who. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Struggler is a guy who, Played uh, in the CFL and he won a Grey Cup. Then he came down, joined the joined the Cardinals. Um, but it, it, it's really going to be interesting to see because obviously we all know what Kyler Murray's capable of, and mm. very high ceiling of a quarterback. And it seems like just doing some preliminary research on Chris Strebler, uh, he might offer. I mean, by no means Kyler Murray, but mm. offer a few of the same traits with, with the ability to run and throw. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing both these teams struggle on offense. And I don't think Kyler Murray takes as much of the blame for the Arizona struggles as Jared Goff does for the Rams struggles over the last few weeks. But I think we're seeing teams now where we don't know what their game plan is going to look like if they have to play these backup quarterbacks, which could make for a absolutely fascinating game uh, come this weekend. Now, want to finish up with this, Lindsay, because I feel like there is a legitimate question maybe to be had here. Maybe you'll dissuade me. In, in terms of the Rams' big picture, we know Sean McVay isn't going anywhere. I'm assuming Jared Goff isn't going anywhere anytime soon. There's been obviously talk about benching him or, or you know moving on from him, but I think that's mostly just internet chatter as opposed to um, you know a, a significant thing that might happen this offseason. But in terms of the long-term plans for this organization, if they miss the playoffs for the second straight year, do you think anything changes in the big picture for the Rams? Or is it more just, hey, we got unlucky. Our quarterback, I heard at the end of the year, we're going to retool and come back with the same core and the same philosophies for 2021. Well, let's just point out that if they do miss the playoffs, that is going to be a historic collapse 
they went into week 15 with a 99.9% chance to make the playoffs, according to our football power index. Now, all that would have required was for them to win against the New York Jets, who at that time had not won a single football game. Um, so we're, t- we're talking about a historic collapse. Uh, that being said, wildly enough, big picture-wise, I don't think there's going to be a change. Uh, Sean McVay is the head coach. He's a play caller. That's not going to change. Jared Goff, they are very, very tied to him. Uh, I mean, the uh, after next season, you start looking at the dead money. It starts coming down to – something somewhat manageable. We, we've seen the Rams get rid of players for, in fact, more money when they when they unloaded Brandon Cooks and, and took that dead money hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but big picture-wise, I, I don't see anything changing. I mean, Les needs their general manager. Kevin Demoff's the team uh, chief operating officer. I mean, that, 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 that to me is big picture. Now, when you get down to it, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked going into the NFL draft if they look for a mid-round pick. If they, mm-hmm. you know, Sean McVay was hired because he's a quarterback whisperer, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everything was about what he did with Kirk Cousins out in Washington. And and so he comes here, and, and if he really is that quarterback whisperer, which I, I have no doubt that he is, he needs to be involved and look at this draft and say, who can we pick in the mid-round? at the very least, to bring that guy in and provide some inspiration and competition behind Jared Goss. Uh, because, let's face it, everyone performs better when there's competition, especially mm-hmm. in the NFL. And Jared Goff this season has had no competition behind him. And he, he doesn't necessarily come across, and I know some of his teammates, and, and he will say otherwise, as the most intrinsically motivated guy. Mm-hmm. But you put somebody else on his heels to keep nipping at him, maybe you get improved play there. Um, so that really could be the only difference I'll see. I'd see big picture because the defense has been phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I do expect there's going to be a change on special teams um, with that position with the with the coordinator there. Mm-hmm. But but big picture wise, I, I just don't see any any big moves the Rams can make to to try and improve on this. Let me ask you now. We've seen with Philadelphia, of course, Jalen Hurts came in for a Carson Wentz who was struggling much more than Jared Goff, but Jalen Hurts came in, played well. Now, at the very least, it seems like there would be a quarterback conversation for the Eagles this offseason. There might be a competition in training camp. I, I, a slim, but I think pretty unlikely chance Carson Wentz moves on. But certainly, it seems like Jalen Hurts is in that discussion now in a way he wasn't maybe at midseason or at the beginning of the year. If by some uh, some way, John Wolford plays well I know in the season. Go- I know, you know where, where you're I'm going, going with this, and I like it. I know, you know where I'm going. I've thought about it. I've thought about it. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, you you can just take it from here. Is John Wolford going to be a meaningful part of this team if he plays well in week 17? So this is what's wild. And I have gone back and forth in my head about whether or not Sean McVay should have necessarily been as forthcoming as he was when he spoke with us Monday about mm-hmm. their hope to get Jared Goff back in the playoffs. Look, this seems wild. And some people might think I'm just completely crazy for this. And that's okay. But what happens if John Wolford goes out there on Sunday and this offense gets a fresh breath of air, a new mm-hmm. set of life, you know, it seems wild enough, but stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, you kind of make a change sometimes to, and change for change's sake isn't always good, but here's a change they had to make. Mm-hmm. So what if John Wolford goes out there and plays out of his mind and this offense looks alive? What do you do going into the next round of the playoffs? And then what does that say about your offense with Jared Goff? I mean, maybe that's the inspiration Jared Goff needs to come back in 2021 and really put it together. I don't know. But I think that almost one of the scariest things that could happen for the Rams 
on Sunday against the Cardinals is that Wolford goes out there and plays really well. And suddenly fans especially are wondering, well, what are we really doing at quarterback? Think about week one of 2021 Rams get in Rams fans get in their stadium. The stadium is packed. Just fans chanting Woford, Woford as Jared Goff struggles to move the offense. I, I don't think it's likely. I don't want to make this proclamation about John Woford before he's even played, but I don't think it's out of the question that the Rams have a quarterback controversy next season. If John Woford plays well in week 17, but Lindsay, that is a long ways away. You still have, this final week of the year and a possible postseason to cover. If people want to follow your work, where can they do that? Yeah, as always on, on ESPN.com, I hit the Rams page and you can also follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram at Lindsay theory. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lindsay. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. We're going to come back with Mike Reese in a moment here on the Bill Barnwell show. All right. Joining me now as promised a very different situation for the new England Patriots than it is for the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams winning and getting in for the postseason. The Patriots, not so much. And joining me to give a postmortem for the 2020 New England Patriots is our friend Mike Reese. Mr. Reese, how are you? Oh, my goodness. I am doing well, Bill. I, I have to say, in one respect, I'm happy we made it to this point of the season, mm-hmm. uh, which I wasn't sure that was going to happen. In another respect, I, I probably didn't see this Patriots season heading in the direction it has. This is my, literally my first two questions for you are contained as uh, questions related to what you just said. First and foremost, Mike, is it weird to be sitting here knowing that after week 17, you are not going to have to cover any more football games until September? It is, and when you think about the idea that, so I remember um, vividly the last time the Patriots, um, you know, played a regular season finale and then you know weren't in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which was 2008. And the reason I remember it is the finale was in Buffalo, and it was like the worst weather ever, mm-hmm. and the goalposts were tilted because of oh, the wind. Yeah. Oh, and and so, but you 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 thought going into the game, like, that, well, it was a remote chance that they would be in. They still actually had a chance, Bill, you know, mm-hmm. going into that game. And th- so this has been so different, um, you know, where you have two games left and you know there's no chance. Mm-hmm. You go all the way back to 2000 for that being the case, which I, I, I hardly remember what that's like. Yeah, I mean, that's the old stadium, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. A, a different Different universe, it feels like, for the Patriots, given where they are right now and given how good they've been now for, I mean, geez, 20 years. It's incredible. And let me let me start with the other part of what you said. Um, of course, the Patriots now, we know they're going to be out of the postseason. We know that their season is over. Um, at uh, They're going to be 6-9, and nine, have a Week 17 game to come. Could be a 6-10 and 10 season, could be a 7-9 and nine season, but a losing season for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Mike, how surprised are you by what happened this year um, versus your expectations maybe heading into the regular season? Yeah, I, I would put it at, um, you know, surprised, you know, not mildly surprised, but surprised because, you know, think about how fast they started, Bill, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I go back to week three and they had just come off that near win in Seattle on the Sunday night, right, where they almost got the Seahawks, yep. and they would have been 2-0, and and they got the Raiders coming to town. And I am, 
on Sunday NFL Countdown, and I got a Tom Brady jersey behind me mm-hmm. and a Cam Newton jersey behind me. Mm-hmm. And I'm making the point that, look, this is still hard getting used to the idea that Tom Brady isn't around, but these Cam Newton jerseys, they're flying mm-hmm. off the shelves. Like, people were excited, Bill, mm-hmm. about Cam at that time based on what we had seen through the first two weeks of the season. And so I think that's where my surprise is, is that, you know, I had a lot of questions before the year started. It started so well, and then the surprise would be how quickly it went off the rails. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment for you where the expectations changed and where you said, okay, you know, something is wrong here and I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to fix it? I would say that the, the, the little snapshot in time that would stand out to me would be after the COVID disruption. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, that was a whole mess where in week four, they're going down a highly anticipated game, face Kansas City. They have the disruption. Mm-hmm. So that happens. And I would say after, not right after that game, but the stretch after that game where mm-hmm. Denver came in and beat them at home. I'm like, a pa- Patriots don't lose to Denver at home. Right. You know, and then, and then San Francisco comes in, and they don't just lose, they get the doors blown off of them. 100%, yeah. And that was the time, Bill, where I thought to myself, you know what, like, something doesn't seem right. As good as it was at the start of the year, this COVID disruption has a chance to really send them in a tailspin that they won't be able to recover from. Yeah, I mean, that three-game stretch to start the season, you know, looked good at the time, looks even better with hindsight. I mean, beating the Dolphins, who a good team by the end of the year, you know, certainly on a long winning streak. Um, the Seahawks, you know, playing them to basically one play in Seattle um, when the offense was at a, playing at a super high level for the Seahawks. I think that's pretty significant. And then beating the Raiders, who were a borderline playoff team this year, are going to come just short. And then, you know, competitive in that game against the Chiefs, if it had been a healthy Cam Newton, you'd say maybe they would have had a shot, but um, game kind of felt kind of got, got away from them maybe in the second half. But, um, you know, it, it seems like that team was really only a few weeks shuffle or, or, or a few weeks sort of, you know, had a few weeks shuffle that are good. And then from that point forward, after the COVID, you know, even though they were winning games, beating the Jets by three points, beating the Ravens in the, the awful weather by six points, losing to the Texans, beating the Cardinals by three points, um, in a game where the Cardinals missed a late field goal and got stuffed right before halftime, blowing out the Chargers, you know, uh, it, the impressive victory, but it's really been tough for them to win games by any comfortable margin this year. Um, and I think that's pretty telling. And I think that, you know, a lot of the discussion about this team has come around Cam Newton. That's fair. He's the um, the starting quarterback for this team, and he's had his struggles certainly um, in his, his debut season, I guess, with the Patriots. Would you say if the Patriots sort of knew what they were going to get out of Cam this year, do you think if they could go back in time and go back to when they signed Cam, do you think they would make that same decision over again? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Because I think the upside of what he brought to them as a rusher, mm-hmm. Bill, he had 12 rushing touchdowns and, you know, for as limited as he was in the passing game at times, I would say the, maybe the, the main thing that defenses had to respect this year from the Patriots, 
and this doesn't speak highly of their passing game, but mm-hmm. was Cam as a rusher and, and everything that sort of came off of that, you know, the run-pass options. And I guess if you take that away, I'm, I'm thinking to myself hypothetically, like if you voluntarily take that away, like what do you have? And, mm-hmm. and I think when we talked in the off-season, it, it seemed like it was really setting up to be Jarrett Stidham's team. You know, he was the top backup to Tom Brady last year, and it really looked like, you know, it was going to be him and Brian Hoyer entering the year, and you were sort of figuring that the upside of Jarrett was going to win out. And, mm-hmm. and you know, play, people on the team, players, staff members, like felt like they had a chance if it was Jarrett. But now, Bill, like after he opened this year as the number three, not so not even the number two, he's mm-hmm. behind both Cam and Brian Hoyer, there's almost like more questions about him now. So in hindsight, I, I, I think they probably still go with Cam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I think that when I see evaluations of Cam, and, and I think this is sort of something Will Belichick alluded to, but I think it's something I think about a lot when it comes to Cam, you know, was he a league average starting quarterback? No. I think you have to add his running ability. I think that helps, but I still think he would have been, you know, in the bottom eight for starting quarterbacks in the NFL this season. But how much were the Patriots paying Cam Newton? Yeah. You know, they, they were paying him, uh, I think, a, a $1.1 million base salary and then some incentives on top of that. I mean, Bill Belichick said this, uh, you know, when he was talking about the Patriots cap issues during the season, that they only paid Cam Newton a little over $1 million. And that's kind of telling, like you could only get so much for a million dollars. And and I think that, you know, given their options, given that it would have been Jared Stidham, given that it would have been Brian Hoyer, um, or maybe someone else who got cut before the season, maybe, you know, someone like a Blake Bortles or somebody who was a, you know, a, a total free agent. I, I can't imagine that they didn't get a million dollars worth of value out of camp. Yeah. That's a great point, Bill, when you bring in the finances, and, and it's hard to argue with that. I think I will add one other thing that is, to me, a little bit of the shame of this situation mm-hmm. is I really would have loved to have seen what Cam would do with better pieces around him. Yeah. You know, like, I, I could almost argue that it wouldn't matter which quarterback it, mm-hmm. it is, and that includes the special guy that went down to Tampa based on the pieces that ended up around the quarterback. And I guess I keep coming back to this, and maybe I'm overstating it, but I I don't know if I've ever seen this before, Bill. When the Cardinals came to Gillette Stadium, Mm -hmm. they they played a goal-line defense as their standard defense. Like, has anyone ever done that before? Like, all over the field, when the Patriots had their base offensive personnel in the game, so two wide receivers, Mm -hmm. a tight end, a fullback and a running back. And the Cardinals said, goal line defense. <laughs> like, what does that tell you? Yeah, it's like, crazy. They, 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 they didn't respect anything that you had at receiver or tight end in the passing game. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. That's nuts. And I mean, you know, the Patriots threw the ball for 84 yards in that game. Mm-hmm. Cam was 9 of 18 for 84 yards, so they were right to not respect mm-hmm. that. I, I mean, this is a... You know, uh, I, I, Cam certainly missed throws this year, and I don't think I want to. I don't want to suggest that Cam, you know, would have had a yeah. perfect season if it weren't if you had better oh, receivers. Yeah. But 
at the same time. We saw in the game last night, right? You know, I, I think that game still ends up being a, a comfortable yeah. Bills victory, but first drive, Cam, with a, a perfect throw to Demir Bird yeah. that gets dropped. I mean, this is an offense where the receivers are Jacoby Myers, who I think has been pretty impressive this year. Demir Bird, yeah. who was a, you know, supposed to be a, a guy who was competing for a roster spot, who's instead be a, a starter every single week. Um, uh, a six-game season from 34-year-old Julian Edelman, the various running backs, and Kiel Harry, who, I mean, has been a disappointment since the Patriots drafted him. Um, you're getting the guys like Gunnar Olszewski. The tight ends have been a mess. Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi haven't delivered very much um, as receivers. I, I mean, this is a, you know, I would have to say the worst receiving core in football. And I don't think that, you know, that, excuses cam as a passer because he still missed plenty of throws but it's hard to imagine that anybody was very worried on a week-to-week basis about the patriots receivers doing much damage with the ball in their hands yeah and and i it's it's another good point and and i i I like how you said you can't excuse you know cam for for all of it because certainly there were times where you know the decision making and the accuracy Mm -hmm. was not where it needed to be um but at the same time, it's, it's, I, I make the analogy, it's almost like asking someone to go build a house, but not really giving them all the tools that they need. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think ultimately that'll lead Bill Belichick this offseason to really take a hard look at opportunities that they've missed over the last three, four, five years in the draft and free agency, and with some good cap space projected and pretty good, um, you know, bushel of draft picks that they'll have Mm -hmm. to really decisively try to address that. Mm -hmm. Makes total sense. That would be the most important thing, I guess, they could address is their quarterback and their receiving game. And now the only quarterback on the roster for 2021 is Jared Stidham, who we saw a little bit last night um, in a hopeless situation, if we're being honest against the Bills. He's thrown 44 passes this year, completed half of them, 22, uh, two touchdowns, three picks, 5.8 yards per attempt. Certainly he's been in games where they've been, you know, have had nothing to lose, and it's been a pretty conservative offense for the Patriots with Jared Stidham at quarterback. Now, of course, when we talked about Jared Stidham before the Cam Newton signing, the the conversations about the Patriots seemed to say, hey, they're comfortable starting Jared Stidham next season. Now, he didn't start this year. It was almost always Cam. Don't know what's going to happen in Week 17. Bill Belichick has said, you know, throughout the the year that Cam is a starter and Cam hasn't been the problem with this football team. But what do you think, based on what you've seen and what you've heard, the Patriots' opinion is of Jared Stedham, and what are the chances that he is given a meaningful shot at starting in 2021? Bill, I would say that there are more questions about him now than maybe that they had at this time last year. I agree. And the whole idea of that every year you learn something more about players that you have. I just Mm -hmm. don't know how we can overlook the idea that last year they felt comfortable with him and his upside to make him the number two behind Tom Brady. He's one snap away from taking over the team as a rookie. This year, they open the year and he's not even the number two behind Cam and Brian Hoyer. And ultimately, he elevated to that after uh, the fourth week of the season when Hoyer had some struggles in that Chiefs game. But to me, that, 
that now clouds the picture going forward where I put it at longer odds that Jared Stidham will have a meaningful chance to be the answer, the starter. And it makes me think that whoever it is is probably not on the roster right now. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like they're not desperate to put Jared Stidham in that role. I think if they're absolutely you know, stuck with no other options, or if they want to, you know, just see what they can have in a meaningless situation, they'll give them opportunities. But it seems like the starting quarterback for the Patriots in 2021 is either in college football right now or a veteran who's on another team's roster. And I I think what makes it tough to sort of look at their options is a good thing for the Patriots and that they have a lot of cap space next year. Um, They're going to have a lot of options. So, To you, looking at their cap space, looking at the guys who are set to come back in 2021, given the likelihood, not the guarantee, because Belichick said last night um, on the broadcast that some of the players who opted out might not come back next year. But if they get the majority of the players like Marcus Cannon and Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, who opted out back onto the roster in 2021, what do you think the chances are the Patriots are immediately competitive again and a playoff contender next season? Oh, I, I think they can. I think they can be. I, I don't. Well, I think it's a significant rebuild. If they hit the key areas, which I think are reasonable, like I think they can be right back in. And, and part of that, Bill, is just my feeling of like we could go through a whole list of teams over the last decade that fall into a similar category. Mm-hmm. Like I, so I feel pretty strongly about that. And I and I I would almost make the. I had someone text me, um, pretty you know high up and with one team last night before the game saying mm-hmm. it's amazing that Bill got six wins out yeah. of this team. So, so like, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, the idea that that speaks that there's not enough talent on the roster, but I think it also speaks to how good of a coach he is. So I think, do you know what I mean? I'm factoring that in as well, that they're going to address some of these areas, make these improvements and then be very well coached along the way. It makes sense. I mean, this is a team that historically, you know, has been able to trade for players, for example, who were struggling in other rosters and then gotten more out of those players than their previous teams were getting. Thinking about, you know, Calvin Noy, Danny Shelton, those guys as recent examples, a, a team that has, you know, not always drafted perfectly, but a team that has drafted reasonably well and certainly had extra picks with which to find players you know, not only in the first round, but also in the second, third, fourth round and develop those players into worthwhile starters. And I think that, you know, it's very reasonable to criticize the Patriots. I don't think every move they made was perfect Um, over the past couple of years. I think they've made plenty of mistakes. I know that you've written about it. I've written about it as well. But I do think at the end of the day that one disappointing season does not suddenly mean that Bill Belichick is the guy who, you know, got fired in Cleveland and was never set out to be a head coach. I mean, obviously, this is a great, great head coach. I think the Patriots are going to be, you know, a, a team that if they do invest right this offseason, could be right back up there in the playoff hunt come 2021. Yeah, and, and I, I write about that a little bit this week, Bill. I think we're on the same wavelength. I, I would just add one thing, you know, for for Bill Belichick. And I think as long as he asks some very hard questions of himself and of director of player personnel, Nick Casario, Mm -hmm. because I think they do need to look back just as I sort of retrace their steps. 
you know, the drafts, um, you know, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, like they had the right guys targeted. Um, like to me, Alvin Kamara should be a Patriot. Like they, they had him in their sights that draft and they, they got a little, um, they made a, a trade before the draft for Coney Ely. Mm-hmm. And basically it moved them from the end of the second round to about eight to ten picks into the third round. And turned out Kamara, you know, ended up going right between the gap of where they left mm-hmm. to where they ended up. And I think, you know, that type of stuff, Bill, like they know this because of their internal internal evaluations. But, like, I, I could give you, like, other examples that I believe based on sort of piecing things together, like Terry McLaurin, like, mm-hmm. I think he should be a Patriot. Like, mm-hmm. I think they had him targeted as their type of guy in the third round. They end up trading down around a couple times, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they miss him. And I think that's the one thing, like, if I look at it critically, and when they go in and self-scout themselves as to how did it get to this point and what can we do different, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to be said for a little less of that, you know, the movement or the cute stuff, and maybe you just lock and load. Stay where you are, be decisive, and go get those guys at those positions you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, one pick away from drafting uh, Terry McLaurin in 2019. They, of course, traded down that year um, with the Seahawks. Bill Belichick's made a lot of good trades in the draft over the course of, of his you know 20 years with the Patriots. Yeah. That year, they traded down so the Seahawks could draft DK Metcalf, and then Terry McLaren went one pick of the Patriots drafting Chase Vinovich, a very good player, but certainly um, Patriots would have loved to have grabbed one of those two wide receivers with those picks. Now, let me finish up with this, Mike, and this is a question where you can tell me 0%, and I will believe it. You are the most plugged-in Patriots reporter I know. Is there any chance at all, even a a 0.01% chance, that Bill Belichick says, you know what? I am a little tired. I'm a little worn down. I want to recharge my batteries. I want to move on. Is there any chance Bill Belichick is not the coach of this football team in 2021? I would be shocked. Mm -hmm. And part of it ties to, you know, he's got both of his sons on staff. I think he still loves it. I think this has been a challenging season with COVID. I don't think this is the way he would want it to end. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, Bill, that I look at is he's so com- he's competitive. Like that's part of what he's wired by. And you know, he's got a chance to to catch Don Shula for mm-hmm. you know the all time wins list. And I think that type of thing would be it's worth the quest for him. You know, to keep doing that. So. It would take something extreme and unexpected for me to even register that as a point zero one on the radar. Well, we know that anything can happen. Like mm. it would, it would really surprise me. Makes sense. Well, Mike, if people somehow, and I don't understand how this is possible because you've been doing this for so long at such a high level, but if someone is not reading your Patriots coverage on a day-to-day basis, where can they do that, and how can they get more Mike Reese in their lives? you saying that bill well i love the way we have it set up on espn.com where if you if you go there you go to the nfl tab and all 32 teams we have reporters covering all those teams so you would just go in my case down to the patriots tab and you can find all uh, the articles on twitter it's at mike reese um and i would say that 
uh, all of our ESPN reporters are great. So, uh, you know, don't just do Patriots. Check them all out. Awesome. Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And interesting offseason up ahead for the Patriots. I'm sure we'll have you on during the offseason to talk more about what they do. But it's always an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. Mike Reese, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Bill. It's always great being on with you. Thanks so much to my guests, Lindsay Theory and Mike Reese, both of ESPN, do a great job covering the Rams and the Patriots, respectively. Check that out on ESPN.com. And guys, have a happy new year. Hope you have a healthy and happy week. Hope you enjoy the football games coming up this Sunday. Hope that if you are, uh, I guess, on the last week of your fantasy season, if you are a monster who plays in a Week 17 league, or if you are uh, rooting for one of the teams who are on the playoff bubble, hope your team gets in. We will have more audio coming next week, playoff previews, playoff recaps, all that good stuff coming through the postseason here on the Bill Barnwell Show.